Okay, welcome to Technocratic Tyranny News. This is a new format. Well, it's it's an old format with a new name, but it's a, it's a news format primarily. But let's start with this. It's about a week since I did the last news show. Uh, it was just it was around the time of Quasi Quartan's uh, so-called mini budget. There was actually a budget, but without any forecasting and any actual budget attached to it, which is just madness. And the markets reacted as if it's madness, which it is. So. The government hasn't reversed anything yet, but uh, the Bank of England intervened to buy up bonds. Um, pension funds are worried they would have gone bust last Wednesday, apparently. Quite a few pension funds rely on government bonds for their stability. And when when there's instability in the bond market, pension funds can go bust. So that's what we were dealing with last week. There's still no actual figures on this budget. There's a lot of wishful thinking and a lot of bullshit and a lot of tax cuts for Tory donors and Tory friends, but no actual figures. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Okay, so what's happening to the British economy is horrific. Let's make no bones about it. It's a it's a plan to wreck the economy. And then assets get sold off to the lowest bidder, which will be Tory donors. So it's asset stripping, basically. It's what the Tories always do. They've revealed their true colours. They've revealed 
what happens underneath every single time they open their mouths is that their friends step in and buy up cheap assets and then strip the assets and workers lose rights and pensioners lose money or sometimes make money but mostly lose money so it's it's a desperate desperate budget and it's a budget not a mini budget let's be clear when you do this much damage to the economy you don't do that in in a mini budget it's a budget it's just, it's just a budget without the name and without the need for financial responsibility so we're in a mess we're in an appalling situation created by liz truss and quasi kwatang on the basis of free market economics failed policies of trickle down economics we know that doesn't work because it's been tried before and it didn't work so why would it work now it doesn't work it doesn't happen the way the theory says it should happen but still they want to try it and in the process they'll wreck the economy yet again i find it just appalling that they can get away with this shit quite honestly it should be held to account we're talking about serious damage to the british economy that will take years if not decades to recover from and we've already had brexit which was serious damage to the british economy which will take decades if if at all if we recover at all from it we still don't have the agreements in place for trade with a lot of places So this is from GB News. It's Benedict Spence talking about the mess and Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang. so it doesn't want to play for the minute but uh, it is there i'll try the next one on the list which is uh treasury chief sec oh here we go i think this is going to start shortly not maybe not let's try the second one on the list that one doesn't want to start either so we'll try again try again i'm gonna to have to start downloading these clips before beforehand let's try something else <laughs> 
sponsor, the greatest shoe salesman to ever come out of the back alleys of Krakow, Poland, BB. In cyber, and cyber is a real domain of power. In cyber, and cyber is a real domain of power. Well, let's try number three on the list. Bitchute isn't playing ball this morning at all. All right, let's try YouTube instead of BitChute and see what happens. It's the same clip should be on there. Just Sky News Live. They'll just be at the end of their news, I think. policy so, and monetary policy so fiscal policy is, is is around government measures to stimulate the economy and monetary policy set by the bank of england uh mpc the uh covering interest rates of course and the uh other big issue now is that we have a uh, a crisis in uh, liquidity that we've seen affecting pension funds which is why the bank of england had to step in yesterday with this uh, 65 billion pounds uh, a very rare intervention. Um, that may need to be extended according to many of the people I'm talking to in financial markets that, um, yes, as Ed pointed out, uh, there was some stability was restored yesterday, some order was restored, and that has to be a positive thing. But this is a, a program that will uh, come to an end in a couple of weeks' time, and many of the pension funds uh, whose uh, you know retirement savings are invested in and that affect millions of people around the country, they are concerned that some of the collateral calls, i.e. The, the demands that they have from their investment managers to post uh, money to meet uh, the changes that we've seen in gilt prices and so on, um, are not going to be sufficient when this Bank of England programme uh, runs out. Okay, there's lots of words there that lots of people might still not understand. Ian, I'm going to get you to try and explain it for us. Just explain just in really simple terms, if you can, exactly 
what happened yesterday in, in terms I think people understand that, that there are pensions that a lot of people invest in and it might be a company pension or it might be a personal pension and, and, and they're invested in different things that you don't really understand and know a great deal about. Uh, what was it that the bank actually did yesterday? Why, what was the wobble about pensions in particular? Right. Well, this was a very specific intervention made by the Bank of England, uh, what in the jargon is the long end of the gilt yield curve. Now, uh, These are the ones for a long period of yeah, time. Gilt's are UK government bonds, IOUs, every uh, government issues them. It's the main way in which the government finances its day-to-day uh, -day spending other than raising taxation. You will, rate, you will borrow money and you'll raise, uh, raise it by selling gilts to investors. And typically they are long-term investors, um, financial institutions, pension funds and so forth. And this issue was specifically around the 20 to 30 year guilds. And why, why did it flare up there? Well, basically, if you're a pension fund, the natural buyers for these sort of assets are pension funds. Because if you're a pension fund manager, you want to know your, your liabilities are a long way out in the future, your payments to future retirees. So you want a guaranteed income stream that you can meet those uh, demands in years to come. So you would typically buy 20 to 30 year guilds because you know the money is going to come in because the government issues, when, when it issues guilds, it sells guilds. It, uh, so it's sort the, of safe and yeah, but there are regular coupons that come with it, which are pay basically interest payments from the government. So if you're a pension fund manager, that's a nice, safe investment, particularly with the UK government with its sort of AAA credit rating. So it's a very, very safe, non-risky investment. But what's been happening is that uh, these pension funds also take out uh, insurance in case they're suddenly caught out by inflation, by sudden moves in interest rates. And that's what's been going on. The, the counterparties on the other sides of those trades, because of these sharp falls, have said, well, we need you to put up more collateral, you pension funds. We need you to put up more, more money. So the uh, fund managers that sit in the middle of all this, the likes of legal in general, have been turning around to the pension funds and saying, well, we need you to put up more cash in collateral. And the easiest way to do that, if you're a pension fund, is to sell your long gilts because they're a big liquid market. The price accordingly uh, fell pretty sharply, um, particularly on Monday morning. Uh, there were reports that uh, Legal and General, for example, were asking for billions of pounds from these pension funds over the weekends. That's why you saw the prices come off. And potentially that raises all sorts of concerns about the value of the assets that these funds are sitting on. And that's why the bank intervened in the way it did. And it's actually, it's a very, very specific intervention at the long end. These very specific things. And, and Ed, what would happen if, what would have happened if the bank hadn't intervened? How catastrophic could it have been? Because it was a surprise that they intervened and, and you were explaining yesterday what it was all about. And we were all sort of slightly scratching our heads going, well, yeah. why have they done I'm this? I'm still scratching my head about it. You know, <laughs> Ian's explained it better than uh, anyone I heard there because, you know, this is a complex part of the, the market. I mean, the big picture is the bank does not intervene unless there is a serious risk of deep financial trouble. And that's, that doesn't necessarily just mean the pension system, it means the broader gilt market. You know, it's looking, working out whether there's going to be any kind of systemic risk. What they mean by systemic risk, a, a problem that seems relatively small to start off with, although this market we're talking about was, you know, a trillion and a half pounds worth potentially, and then can cascade into a serious financial crisis that means all sorts of other parts of the market are facing trouble. So, that's the first thing to bear in mind. They do not take these kind of decisions lightly. They do them very rarely indeed. The last time they did anything similar was maybe COVID uh, in the financial crisis as well. Um, and so if they hadn't have intervened, first of all, there was the risk of potential mass defaults in many of these instruments. Uh, there was the risk of deeper problems, what they call, you know, as Ian was saying, kind of along the curve. So you have other parts of the financial system which rely on these bonds. And what, what we're talking about here is the plumbing for the UK economic system. Gilts, bonds, 
they're basically pretty boring and they're, they're boring most of the time and they're supposed to be boring because this is the boring part of the market where people are making long-term decisions with all of our money and they put, allocate them in certain places and guilt's play a crucial role there it's a foundation stone for everything else so when that foundation stone is shaking and over the course of the last week it has been shaking because of the massive movements we've seen in those in those securities which are in part a consequence of people saying oh hang on the UK is going to be borrowing a lot more money. You know, it's back to last Friday. The UK is going to be borrowing a lot more money. How do we adjust to that? And it's sending this kind of chain reaction through those markets where unexpected things are happening. And one of those unexpected things that happened is it turns out there's a big part of the pensions market where they're reliant on certain securities, uh, certain derivatives, and you get a bit of a kind of spiral. So the bank detected that. A lot of people kind of talking to people in the city, say, and then the bank listening to that, saying they would need to kind of step in and do something about it. As, as, as Mark and Ian were saying, the interesting and I think significant thing here and a cause for you know, reassurance is there was a period you know, during this week where people were, were a bit worried that even if the bank did do something, that it wouldn't necessarily have the impact that they had hoped for. So the merest fact that we have seen, you saw it there, the pound coming back quite a bit, gilts yields coming down quite a bit. That is quite reassuring. It shows they still have power, but they've had to kind of get out a bazooka to reassure people. And the fact, you know, we're sure we'll come to this, the political ledger to this is they've had to do this largely in response. I mean, the government doesn't acknowledge this, but pretty much everyone else who talk out talk to in markets will say this. They've had to do it in response to what the government has done last week. This has been the Bank of England at its best, though. As Ed said, there were a lot of doubts that the bank would be able to take any action here. You know, you had people, John Redwood telling Kay Burley earlier this week, it's not the bank's job to defend sterling. Well, the bank has made a big, meaningful intervention. As Ed said, it picked up very, very quickly on these uh, pressures that were building up in the markets. I think the Bank of England comes out of this episode looking pretty good, to be honest. And that's significant, given that the Monetary Policy Committee is under a lot of fire for being behind the curve on inflation and not raising interest rates rapidly enough. That, that is true, but the, uh, the question remains that if this uh, programme has to be extended after two weeks, does the, bank retain, does the bank retain that credibility? And that's an open question. And, and do you feel, Mark, that, you know, as Ed was saying, that um, when we look at what, what happened, what's happened in the market over the last 48 hours, that, that the bank's actions have now calmed things, that it does feel that everything is just kind of everyone's draw, drawing breath again? Yeah, I think that there's certainly been that temporary pause for breath that was the obviously the object, uh, the object of the exercise. Um, but that's not to say that this is a... Uh, a line in the sand that uh, that means that stability will endure beyond the end of this this two week uh, intervention by by the Bank of England. I think a lot of the question marks still remain about the government's response uh, to this crisis. Whether the government even acknowledges that there is a crisis in financial markets at the moment. I spoke to one former Treasury Minister uh, this morning who uh, insists that his intelligence from his contacts in. Uh, within government is that there is no crisis, that the Treasury, uh, that the Chancellor is not uh, acknowledging uh, that there is a real crisis in financial markets at the moment. And uh, one of the things we've seen since uh, Liz Truss came to power and appointed Kwasi Kwarteng as her Chancellor is that the Treasury, which is the most important department uh, of, of state in many respects, is has been hollowed out in terms of its leadership. The First, one of the first actions that the Chancellor took was to sack the long-serving permanent secretary, the top civil servant. This is in 
the scholar. Tom Scholar, uh, yes, respect from across the political uh, spectrum. Uh, they, they, uh, and because that seemed to be have been a political decision. Uh, very much so. There's a there's a, uh, a long-standing criticism from uh, from Mr. Kwarteng and, and from Liz Truss about Treasury orthodoxy and about the way that Treasury approaches uh, financial markets and economic uh, policy. And Tom Scholar paid paid the price for that. The problem is nobody's been appointed in his place. Um, there is also uh, another. Uh, layer underneath uh, Mr. Scholar, uh, which is uh, vacant at the moment, the second permanent secretary, another very, very senior uh, job. And if you look at the ministerial lineup in the Treasury at the moment, there are five Treasury ministers. Only one of them has had any previous experience of working in the Treasury. And, and that was only for a few short weeks during that period before uh, Boris Johnson stepped down. So um, there is a real, real, there appears to be a real vacuum of leadership in the Treasury at the moment. And given what's going on in terms of government policy around uh, the, the vast energy bailout package that's been unveiled in the last couple of uh, weeks and uh, all of the other associated uh, economic challenges around the inflationary pressures that the economy is facing. Um, this is not really the right time for there to be a vacuum of leadership at the Treasury. Just to, just to back that up, you know, I've, I've also... All right, that's enough of Sky News, but you get the idea. There's... Uh... There's a lot of stuff going on, and it's all down to Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang. That's that's the problem. The problem is the Tory leadership, and uh, the only people who can sort out the Tory leadership are the Tories, and they they can't do it for another year. So we've got another year of this shit to go. I'm appalled by the whole situation. It it just drives me insane. So destroying the country and making money in the process. And the speculators will make money, financial markets will make money, Tory donors will make money, but the rest of the economy goes down the toilet. Anyway, that's enough for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back a bit later, because there's obviously a huge amount to talk about.